Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Good people experience. That's what we're talking about today. People are your company's most valuable asset, yet the interview process is riddled with actions to support otherwise. This is my own opinion. Common transactional interview practices like pretests, hurdles, hoops, and ghosting do not attract people, guys. Spoiler alert, it repels people. The truth is, people will judge your company by how you make them feel, not the offer you present to them. Today's quote, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things a bit differently. Any idea who said that, Miss Maria Norman? Let me take a lucky guess. Go. Jeff Bezos? Oh, you're really close. No, it's actually Warren Buffett. I know, I gave you two quotes, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and hiring managers avoid costly hiring mistakes. We do this by identifying a specific problem and providing proven tactical solutions to solve your company's most difficult hiring challenges and win the right hire. So we share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Ms. Marie Norman. Marie is the Director of Talent Acquisition for Adobe Systems, and she leads corporate functions, which include global marketing, finance, employee experience, uh, legal, and corporate strategy. Marie brings a diverse and innovative uh, industry experience, leading and building scalable talent acquisition teams and HR programs in the areas of talent acquisition, workforce planning, career development, and coaching candidate experience, employment branding, and diversity, inclusion, and belonging. I almost did that on one breath. Her passion lies in motivating, coaching, and building successful recruiting teams, employment branded storytelling, and delivering a unique, memorable, and delightful candidate experience to all. She's also an adjunct professor at the College of Business in San Jose State University. Marie, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Thank you, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you today. For some reason, my Google Docs is like messing with me today. So today we're going to cover what candidate experience is. We're going to talk about the things that are downgrading your stock in the marketplace. And we're going to give you a process that will deliver a great candidate experience for your company. Sounds So great. let's get started. Let's talk about first, Marie, what is candidate experience? Well, you know, Rick, that's a great question. And it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Sure. My short and sweet uh, definition of candidate experience is treat the job candidate as you would if you were a job candidate. It seems simple. Golden why, rule. Why right? don't we do it? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right? Absolutely. I think that's in the Bible. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> so. Okay, so we got a definition of it. Everybody kind of knows what this is, and this is common sense. Why don't we practice it? I think there are a number of different reasons why, uh, Rick. And I think to start with, there is this misnomer that the candidate experience sort of starts and ends with the recruiter, right? So the talent acquisition team, uh, since the recruiter is responsible for the first point of contact, or seemingly so, and also the last point of contact when a candidate either gets an offer or is told gently that they're not going to be moving forward in the process. Sure. There seems to be this thought that it stays and remains the sole responsibility of the recruiter when it is actually much more uh, encompassing than just a single individual or entity. Yeah, it's much bigger than that. <clears throat> it's it's actually the hiring manager and the hiring team and everybody, everybody who's in touch with that person. That's right. And that's also inanimate. 
inhuman uh, elements such as the ATS, right? The job yeah. posting. Where does management come into play on this one? Certainly. So um, oftentimes, so in today's marketplace, what we're finding more and more, Rick, is um, it's not just the recruiter who's actually going out and sourcing keywords and pulling up a, a list of, you know, 15 pages, a list of software developers or f- controllers. What we're seeing more and more is the use of social media being utilized by hiring managers, right? And also the encouragement of talent acquisition professionals, recruiters, right, as we know them today, recruiters, to actually be encouraging the employees, the hiring managers, especially to tap their networks in LinkedIn and otherwise, and be able to be a recruiter and serve that. And because of that migration towards really everybody is a recruiter mentality and everyone should be a recruiter within an organization, hiring managers' responsibilities are actually far more greater in terms of really owning the process from the beginning to the end. And because of that, that's where the candidate experience the sort of the awareness of the role that a manager plays and the reason why candidates want to go to a position is normally because of the opportunity and also the person, the manager, the leader that they're going to be reporting to. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, people join companies because they like the people they're going to work with. Absolutely. Not necessarily always because of the offer. Correct. Managers need to take a more active role in this process. That's right. I think that's what we're looking at, right? How do we change that mentality that it's not just responsibility of one person? It's the responsibility of everybody. Yeah, again, a really insightful question. And, and a question that's really important, I think, for organizations to understand, again, not just the talent acquisition, but this is leadership included. It's really acknowledging first that um, what kind of issues is your organization facing, especially when it comes to the area of talent acquisition and attraction? You have to look inward and be very honest with yourself. Are you able to attract the right kind of talent, right? The individual's pool of applicants who are not only diverse, but also qualified, that they're qualified for the roles that you have, whether they be niche positions or positions where you're going to have an abundance of them, right? You're going to be looking to hire a team of developers, right? Maybe not with necessarily niche expertise, programming expertise, but you're going to need to hire teams of them. Looking inwardly and saying to yourself, realistically, are we able to attract the right skill set? And are we also able to attract the, the volume in which the organization needs us to be able to keep up with the hiring pace? Once you identify whether or not truthfully that you are able to attract or you're not. And oftentimes, the answer to that question is, especially in this really competitive marketplace, is that no, we're not able to keep up with the pace. No, we're not attracting the right skill set. That's why we're spending uh, longer times to fill, right? And also that attrition rates are going up because of that. But even more so before you get to that point, it is also about how you make a candidate feel, right? It is imperative if you are a recruiter listening to this podcast, to this interview right now, and, and the only technique that you're you're utilizing is really sort of the post and pray, as we put it uh, back in those days, yeah. right? Oh, when we started 20 years today. ago, yeah. right? The post and pray. If you're not out there forward facing, you're not actively branding, um, you're not proactively engaging the business to help, you're really going to fall behind and you're going to fall behind quickly. And I think many of you understand uh, the position that I'm I'm expressing is because the candidate experience and how you make a candidate feel, regardless of the outcome, has a deep uh, implication in how you're going to recruit them in a future role or others within their network and others like them for future opportunities and current opportunities. Yeah, that kind of goes back to our quote, right? I mean, it only takes a second to mess up. I get this argument a lot of times, well, at scale, when I have a lot of roles, I don't have time to call everybody. 
if you're relying on post and pray, you should be calling everybody that's granted. You don't want to call somebody who's, you know, working as a checker at CVS pharmacy for a coding job, right? Unless you've got something in there. But if people are close, you should be making a phone call as a recruiter. We're bringing back old school, right? Absolutely. And and I know that many listening to this, uh, to our interview in this, in this podcast, they're saying to themselves, well, how can we possibly do that? You know, there's the scale issue, especially if you're a large organization that it, that is expected to hire, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people annually. That's where technology comes into play. And I mentioned that earlier that, you know, there are other elements of the candidate experience outside of just a recruiter, a hiring manager, a human that actually help can either hurt you or help you in this process. Yeah. And so automation, uh, automate wherever you can. If you have an ATS, if you're able to actually generate and create automatic responses for any resume that's been received or inquiries and have just some sort of an automated message saying that please send your inquiries down this path or I'm sorry we're not able to answer these questions um, however you know you you divert them to some sort of a communication channel that will either allow them to have an answer to a question or at least let them know that they've reached a certain point in which they've reached the end of the road the automated messages that are sent out though sometimes they're just they're a little ridiculous they should be at least tailored as to why you're being passed on or why you're not. Right? That's a fantastic point. Yeah. Why not pick off maybe two or three people or give a, a window of time in your calendar to where people can call and have a conversation with you? Because I understand the scale thing. But I think that especially when you're at scale, you're missing out on a lot of really good talent that could be hired because of a resume. Yes. And yep. a resume doesn't really, especially for engineers, you know as well as I do, they write terrible resumes. Unless they're actively looking for a job and they have somebody doing it for them. <laughs> I, I know a lot of really good people that they have the worst resumes in the world. I'm like, no, just keep it really bad because you won't get any interviews anywhere and I could place you somewhere. I mean, that's my own selfish thing. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> my own guilty pleasure. Um, so I think there's a there's definitely a misjudging of talent that happens there. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But I think you made a point earlier that I, I want to sort of address to our, our listeners today. Sure. Um, you, mentioned the, you mentioned a comment about... Um, you know, some of these automated messages uh, are, are ridiculous, right? Um, you had mentioned that. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, that I, I do want to clarify is when you craft, if you are leveraging technology, you have an ATS or you have a you have systems in place that can actually help with communicating and, and absorbing some of the, the volume of inquiries back and forth, the correspondences that are, are had between the organization and the candidates applying for a position. It's really the content, right? Yeah. And what I mean by that, content makes the difference between really sort of seemingly like, you know, you're really sort of disconnected don't want to be bothered. And, but by the way, I'm going to actually provide a, an auto reply. So you don't think that I'm necessarily kind of a jerk and, and don't care about the fact that you applied versus those that you really have thought it out. That's a craftful and thoughtful message. Um, it has a call to action. It actually gives information that's relevant, such as thank you for applying for your position. Please enable our talent acquisition team. We normally process every resume within a two week period. If after two weeks we do not contact you, please assume that we've either filled the position position or we've moved on with more qualified candidates. You see the difference, Rick, yeah, in terms yeah. of the content, the information, the messaging, and really sort of a call to action, you know, a timeline in which action will either be taken or not. People can play to me that they've spent a time, they've put together a resume, they've written a cover letter, they customize it, they spent a couple hours doing this, and they tailor the, the job description, then they send it in, nothing. And then two weeks later, they get an autoresponder, 
Sorry, we're going to go with more qualified person for the position. At least keep the door open for later on down the road, especially if you haven't given the person a call to find out really if they're any good. Yeah, and I think that's where, again, communication, right? You can still address that in a way without necessarily having to put tens of thousands of manpower in. And one suggestion, uh, we've done at a previous company that I've worked for, where we were recognized for actually candidate experience and actually won the Candy Award two times in a year, was the fact that we actually offered information on our website. So we leveraged our website as another communication channel in which we could actually educate and communicate in a way that was scalable, right? It provided the right amount of information in terms of the application process. It provided enough information about, you know, what you could expect either to move forward or not and why. And it enabled also candidates to become a part of what we called a talent community group. And basically what that is, for those of you who are unfamiliar with a TCG, as we call it for short, talent community group, is an opportunity to actually continue to connect and actually be aware of opportunities within a specific organization for future opportunities. And it was an opportunity also for you to also understand that in spite of the fact that you may or may not be called now, that you are now going to be actually putting yourself in a particular bucket uh, within other applicants with whom you wanted to be contact for future opportunities, even if a match couldn't be made now. See, this is why you're a two-time candy winner. We should have put that in your bio. <laughs> All right, if you're just tuning in to the radio show or podcast, I'm Rick Gerard, and you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. To find out how healing a person's pain points can attract amazing people to your company, sign up for our passive talent workshops at stridesearch.com. We're speaking with Marie Norman. She's the director of talent acquisition for Adobe Systems, and we're talking about candidate engagement. So let's talk about the ingredients for good candidate engagement, or actually let's give a process because as always in this show, it goes by quickly and I could talk to you for probably three hours about this. <laughs> so let's talk about, so how, if I'm a startup and I hire you, Marie, and I'm thinking, okay, I need, I need some, I don't even know what candidate experience is. I don't know what process is. What do I do? What What's the best way for me to kind of get started with this? Absolutely. I would say first that it begins with sort of understanding what is the business's need long term, not just looking at it as, you know, the here and now, but it is where are we going to be as an organization, you know, 12, at least minimum 12 months to it to, I would say, even to 36 months out. So one to three years out, where are we going to be from a people perspective, right? Are we looking to grow, you know, headcount by 10, you know, every year? Are we looking to grow 30% over year? So depending on sort of where you are in terms of your headcount projections, that's a starting point, right? That's always a really big hurdle to get people over too, because they just have a need and they want to get it filled. Absolutely. I don't really care. I just need the work done. Putting people in that mindset is is a challenge, right? It is. But I think if you start to look at it from the standpoint of, do you want to be kind of a one-hit wonder? Do you want to be sort of a one-and-done, right? Where we think back of like, you know, that great single by that really great, uh, you know, hip-hop funk group that, you know, back in the 80s or whatever, where you're like, they put out a really good hit, but where are they now, right? We don't- Millie Vanilli. <laughs> Great example. <laughs> Absolutely. I can think of a whole, whole, whole host of them. Rick, know, right? do you want your organization to be known to be that kind of a company where, you know, it was a great opportunity. There was nothing beyond that, yeah. right? You define out who you are, then what? So finding out what you want and then being able to understand, okay, so 
where historically have we struggled to fill talent, right? Is it going to be in an area where we know that is critical and we're going to have an ongoing need or are they going to be needs spread across the organization and how difficult have we had? So historically looking back at the challenges you faced in trying to recruit that position, perfect example of metric is time to fill. If your time to fill shows it takes about four months to hire an admin, where typically we know that administrative positions are less challenging than, for example, technical positions are to, to fill, then we've certainly got a problem and we have to start to look at what has prevented us from being able to do that. So planning. Absolutely. Okay. And if you don't know... There's a lot of good resources out there. What sure. should they establish? So then it's also understanding sort of, okay, once you've committed, you understand, you acknowledge that there's a problem and you've acknowledged the fact that it's actually linked to the kind of experience, right? You're not automating the process. The process is taking too long for a candidate to apply to a role and you're seeing fallout ratios that are much higher than they should be. Then you commit to, okay, we acknowledge we have a problem. We concede that candidate experience is part of the solution to actually helping that. Then it's actually communicating the roles, right? Who is going to take an active part in actually helping to drive the candidate experience? Again, I've talked about the ATS technology. No. I've, we've certainly talked about the recruiter. The hiring manager has a absolute responsibility in that. And also, so do the receptionists. And the if you have a talent coordinator, someone who is involved in helping with the administrative pieces, they play an absolutely vital role in that process too. Everybody in the company. Absolutely. Right? Anybody who comes in contact with somebody who's a new candidate, you should be involved. That's correct. That's sure. actually the best way to put it. Yeah. Rick. You should and you should always pick up a call and talk to people. That's right. Anything else they need to lay out or put in process in order for them to attract people? So once you've actually identified the roles, you've actually empowered each of those individuals who are part of the process as to what their responsibilities are, it's actually repeating that, being consistent and doing that every single time. When in doubt, go back to basics. That was something I learned early in my career. Go back to basics. Call people. Yes. Talk to them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I think just closure and making sure that you communicate with people and let them know they are, builds good candidate experience. Absolutely. Dropping the ball. And you know what? Don't ghost. I mean, we say this all the time, but close the loop with people. People just want closure. If you don't give them closure, they're going to freak out and start leaving you bad glass door reviews. Absolutely. If I can, Rick, I want to share a couple of stats that were actually pulled from uh, from a few different surveys. Actually, this particular survey was generated by CareerBuilder. And what they did was, this was over a year ago, they looked at ways to improve the candidate experience. Based on the survey results, they said that 83% of the candidates who participated in this survey, 83% said just communicate status updates and clear timeliness of the hiring process. There would be at least an 83% lift in just doing that. 53% said, communicate the job description more clearly to them. And 33% said, just send an automated email after we apply. And that alone would actually make for a great candidate experience. So those are three really simple things to do. I, the job description is a whole other conversation because sometimes I find people just copy and paste old job descriptions, throw them up, and then they're they're done. Like there's that much thought that goes into it, right? All right. As we're wrapping up here, what are three takeaways that you can give the audience? So I would say again, it's going back to what I'd call Marie's three C's. Okay. It's actually conceding that you know that the candidate experience plays a vital role. It's committing to it um, and making sure that every single person, as we talked about earlier, hiring manager, recruiting coordinator, recruiter, receptionist, that they're all bought into the process and they know their role. And it's actually repeating this, being consistent and repeating this every single time to every candidate. And treat every candidate candidate as if they're all passive candidates or referrals. Absolutely. You're going to have 
great candidate experience. Gosh, we're just about out of time for today's show. Marie, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Thank you, Rick. It was a pleasure. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Now, what would be the best way members of our team, if they want to work at Adobe or, you know, anything else, how do they get a hold of you? Absolutely. You can actually apply online at www.adobecareers.com. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We love your feedback. After all, this show's for you, even though you may leave me mean feedback sometimes. I'm kidding. <laughs> you can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me a line at rickandstridesearch.com to uh, learn about our passive talent webinars and workshops. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Matul Shah. He is the CEO of Demand Matrix. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.